cliffcentral.com. Welcome to my podcast. My name is Rosie Mutena, and of course, this is Pan African Connect, where I connect my three favorite passions in life, and that is, of course, woman, African, the arts. And I'm very, very fortunate to have in studio, uh, she's known as the rock star author. And that, of course, is Pumla Dinewankola, who's an associate professor of, lit- of liter- literary, media and gender studies at the School of Literature and-, and Language Studies at the University of Johannesburg. She's an activist. She's an author. Um, some of her books, which you might know, are Renegade Called Simpiwe, Rape, A South African Nightmare. And the one that we're going to be focusing on today, Reflecting Rogue. How are you? I am great. Great. I'm delighted to be here. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Congratulations. You know, um, just for our, our listeners out there, Pumla launched a book, what was it, two weeks ago? It was mm-hmm. just after Women's Day. In fact, yes. it was the 11th, 11th of August. Um, and what a beautiful evening. You know, we had, I mean, when I, when I, when we got on, when I went onto the social media space afterwards and, and the, the, the different levels of people that Mm. were there from different genres and the questions that we were all asking. And, you know, it's an amazing book. And I'm not just saying it because I was moderating, but it really, really is an incredibly powerful book. So congratulations. Thank you, Rosie. And I mean, I think I, I, it really was a remarkable evening. And Mm. thank you for everything that you did to make it remarkable. Um, for Rosie's listeners, she was she was the person who that, that I was in conversation with yeah, that, that, yeah. that that evening. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna tap on uh, touch on some of the subjects that we that we spoke about on, mm-hmm. at at the launch, and um, one that still resonates with me is that the different relationships that you talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for those who don't know, it's it's a group of essays that that, that Pumla has written over the years, and um, you know the one the one the one essay is is about talking about your relationship that you had with your body, mm-hmm. and this is very very pertinent to 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 women because. Um, you know, a couple of days ago, I interviewed Curve Loving, the the online uh, magazine, and one of the issues that, as especially as black women, is that we we have this hatred for our body. Absolutely. You know, um, what was your relationship with your body growing up as, and 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 where are you now? Conflicted, I think. I mm. mean, I think that we all taught, especially as girls in the world, and as yeah. black girls in the world, um, specifically, taught to have very. At best, ambivalent, mm. um, and at worst, antagonistic relationships with our bodies. So yeah. The sense of there's something wrong with your body, and your body is something that you have to rein in. So I had a, you know, I was growing up. I liked climbing things. I was a, I was a short, chubby child, mm. and who loved climbing, mm. and and who was very. I'm not need, so I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not the most kind of graceful, <laughs> live person, but I loved climbing. Yeah. So of course, I, I, as, as often as I climbed, I fell out of things. Yeah. I would climb into cupboards and up trees, anything I could climb up, I yeah. would clamber up and I would <laughs> almost always fall. And my poor mother kind of spent my whole childhood convinced <laughs> I was going to lose an eye yeah. or crack my skull. And I have lots of bruises all over my body yeah. still. Some yeah. of them have survived. I'm not bruises now but I mean scars yeah. and so the sense of that many children often have the sense mm. of kind of freedom in your body but also the messaging constantly mm. that well girls don't climb yeah don't run too fast don't run too fast don't climb don't sit like that mm. um, and I write a little bit in the book about um, my grandmother my who, who was lovely and who was mm. quite transgressive in, 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 in many ways yeah. but one of the things that frustrated me the most about her was how I sat and I like to sit and I still, even as an adult, I like to sit with my knees up against my upper body, yeah. which 
you know, you can imagine, doesn't go down very well. It certainly <laughs> didn't go down very well as a, as a, as a, as a, as a child. Yeah. Um, and I like to contort. And, and I remember her saying to me every single time with increasing frustration, put your <laughs> legs down, sit like a girl, together, mm. cross the knees, cross the ankles, cross, you know, yeah. um, tidy yourself up. And so the sense of, and then of course, as I grew up, as, as I went to school, then even more messages around <clears throat> Something being wrong with your body. Yeah. And, and as an older woman, then notions about, um, remember when we got our periods, I got my period quite early as, 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 as did two friends of mine. Mm. And the sense of this shameful thing, yeah, yeah. um, that had happened to your body. Mm. And, and, and you and can't the, talk about it. It's a taboo. Absolutely. You can't talk about it because you've done something. It, 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 it's, it's evidence of the dirty, of the dirty body. Mm. And then, so I feel like in many ways, that I, and, and, and this is why I call one of the essays, um, growing into my body. I yeah. feel like I'm still growing into my body. I think I have a different kind of relationship with my body now. Mm. Um, I'm not completely free of some of the anxieties that, yeah. that, that you get taught about your body, of course. But I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I have different relationship with, with, with my, I, I, I try. I've tried to teach myself and to learn from other women mm. to have a relationship with my body that isn't antagonistic. Yeah. To try to think about my body as 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 part of who I am, not just as the container mm. of something, but as but as important. And so I I, I make I make decisions about it that, mm. that, 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 that appeal to me, even if they don't make sense to yeah. other people. So when yeah. I start growing but locks, I think, but, but, but that, that's the thing. That's the most important thing is that all of our bodies are different. Mm-hmm. So you need to make those decisions for yourself and not worry about the next person. Absolutely. But yeah. as you know, Rosie, mm. that's hard, mm. right? Because you, you inherit a script mm. that says you have to have hair that's properly relaxed. <laughs> yeah. And so to go bald mm. or to go, to grow locks when I did before mm. they were like a hip Hippie. thing yeah. to do, um, was, was met to decide to stop relaxing. And there's nothing wrong with relaxing if that's what you like, mm. but I didn't like it. I just kind of, it was, it was what you did when you were a girl. Yeah. Or to be a person, to be a black woman who, who in my twenties and the nineties liked tattoos mm. and, 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 you know, to insist on getting a few and, and who liked piercings. Mm. Um, and I just, I guess I just, I, I've tried as I've grown older to invest in those things that I enjoy yeah. to do with my body. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't, doesn't necessarily, you know, I'm not always, I don't always look the way, <laughs> any kind of mainstream <laughs> kind of way. Yeah. And yeah, there are some mainstream things that I'm drawn to, mm. but I've tried to kind of think about, okay, so what are we doing about mm. this? You know, why are we shaving that? Do we like to shave that? Yeah. You know? Are we comfortable with that? Is, yeah. it, is it what we want to do? Yeah. And uh, another relationship, which I mean, I loved the, the, the essay to your father, the, the letter to your father, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think all little girls who grow up with their fathers always have this special, special relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. So I was obsessed with my, I mean, I was just, God, not as a parent, sometimes I think my poor parents, mm. I was absolutely obsessed with my parents as mm. a child for different reasons and not always like in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Drove them crazy. I think I drove them crazy. I mean, just like my poor dad had no peace of mind. I followed him around. Mm. I cried every time he tried to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, I sat on his feet sometimes when he was trying to go to work and refuse. And I was like, you know, he, he wasn't like a big man. Yeah. I was like this your chubby child sitting on your feet every day. Like yeah. every day he had to go to work. Like, oh my God. God this child my child. It's sweet that she loves me so much, but honestly. <laughs> And so that the, the I, I I um but the one of the remarkable things about my dad who wasn't very who didn't talk much I mean mm. my mom is the big talker in the family 
was that he and I, so I went to boarding school for high school. I went to um, Inanda Seminary, mm. just outside Durban, um, from Standard 6 onwards. And my father wrote me, like my father and I wrote letters. Yeah, wow. So he, they weren't very long, but he wrote me a letter every single week. And I wrote him a letter every single oh, wow. week. And so we did this thing and these letters were very kind of important. And I guess, and so I, I was very close to him, mm. you know, when we were, when we were kids, he was the one that took us to school. He yeah. was the one that drove us to school. My mom was a nurse. So, I mean, her schedule was a lot less um, flexible than his, I guess. Mm. And, and so he was the one who took us to school and we didn't, you know, we were just, I don't know, children with their fathers. The yeah. way we talked about whatever it is that we thought was important that was probably not so interesting to him. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, there was, so, so my father and I had this weird relationship then from high school onwards where we wrote each other letters. Mm. Um, and even when I was at UCT, we would, you know, until until he kind of moved temporarily to Cape Town for a while. So mm. unle- would, unless we were seeing each other regularly, we were writing each other letters. And then something happened, like I think it was about, I don't know, in my teen years mm. at some point. Um, it was Father's Day and I just was like, okay, I don't know what to get him. And you save your pocket money for the mm. Mother's Day and for Father's Day. And then your dad gives you money for Mother's Day and your dad gives. But I was like, I don't know what to get him. Mm. And and all these things that people would say, get for your father. Like he didn't like a lot of the conventional things. And yeah. I just was like, I don't know what other book to get him. Cause yeah. I always got him a book or a, a CD, but he didn't really listen to the music. <laughs> so, oh, like a tape, you know, mm. a tape and then a CD. So then I thought, well, I'm just, I don't know what to get him. So I'm just going to write him like a letter. Yeah. So I wrote him this. So, 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 so the kernel of that chapter is an actual letter that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And then many, many years later, before he passed, he passed away 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. But many years ago, before he died, I, I, um, a friend and colleague, Kobano Ratele said, you know, let's like write, write, like, let's put together a collection on, mm-hmm. on kind of blackness and pleasure and, 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 and so on. And so it was initially supposed to go. That collection never happened. Yeah. Um, but it was supposed to be. So then I said to my dad, okay, so I still have this letter because my dad also kept everything. He kept, we have <laughs> files. I mean, he's been gone for 11 years. Yeah. But each one of his children um, had a, he had a file. He had, I mean, when, you know, I knew he kept every single school report. Oh, wow. Every single prize giving certificate. Mm. Every kind of random things. And they were all my letters. Oh, wow. And um, And so I said to him, well, I want to include the letter, and mm. I know it's private, but I want to change a few things. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't, I should have said, is it okay? But I didn't really say, is it okay? I said, so, <laughs> come on and I are doing this book. I'm going to update the letter. And it might be a bit weird with the added bits, but I'll keep everything that was in the original. The essence of it, you keep it there. Yes, yeah. and I'll add a few bits. And he said, okay. Mm. Like, he just, you know. And so, and so that's the version that's, that's, that's it's, in, 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 and it's really, I suppose about, it's about, it's about, a, it, it's, it's, it's how I felt about him. Mm. It's how, it's an appreciation of the difficult decisions. Yeah. And it's honest. And that's what make. I love about it. It's his, honest. The, the, the he was not a honest. perfect man. He was mm. very flawed, but it's also a reflection as I grew older of my goodness, you know, I, we, you don't want your children. People like you, I idolize, I absolutely adored my dad. Mm. Um, but of course, as I, you know, I, I was very aware of his flaws. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I can imagine, I, I imagined then, because when I, when, when I was revising the letter, I wasn't a parent yet. I was, I was imagining what it might be like to know that your child is aware of some of your flaws and some mm. of your embarrassing flaws. Mm. 
um, that you're human, basically. Yeah, yeah. And so I suppose it's a love letter that says, you know, I know you are a human being, you were flawed, but mm. I, 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 you know, I, I think it t- takes enormous strength to raise the kind of kids that you raise who are opinionated and affirmed and a little strange. <laughs> And or a lot honest. strange in some cases. I'm the least strange of my siblings. <laughs> we always say that. Though. I'm the least strange. I've had the other ones have got odd. problems. I'm good. Very odd. <laughs> yeah. You know, and who believe in themselves. And to mm. be able to do that, um, have these children who are very, very close, but also very different. Mm. Um, but, but how, I mean, that's also, I mean, that's, it's, it's quite unique in the way, in the way you've been brought up. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that happened because of your open relationship and communications with your parents or, or the fact that you were exposed to a lot more than, than the other mainstream families? I think probably both. I mean, I think my parents were both, were a little odd themselves, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my mom's still odd. Yeah. She's getting odder <laughs> as she gets older. Um, <laughs> so I think that they, they, I mean, there were certain things like my dad. They, they, they definitely were not a feminist couple. Yeah. But at the same time, they were very far from a conventional yeah. couple. So my mom liked a lot of. So if anything broke in our house, my mom was the one who knew how to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like my dad didn't fix anything. He'd just be like, "Can we get someone?" To fix it. What's Bring going on? In. My mom would sit and even if we got someone, she would stand. She still does it. She drives me a little crazy with this. Stands over the person going, that's not how you fix it. Why don't you put that <laughs> screwdriver there? And that's the wrong nail. And t- take that, put that plank across. No, if you do it like this. You know, so she was that person. Yeah. My dad was just like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't know how to fix that. Yeah. And he was the one who, 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 he was an academic. So he was the one that took us to school. So he was kind of the more nerd mm. and, and, and had to worry about the fact that every, every single day for about four years, I had a bully, which I kept secret, mm. but she took my pen every morning <laughs> when I got to school. So every morning, every afternoon he would fetch me from school. And I would say nothing. And every morning on our way to school, I'd say, daddy, I need a pen. <laughs> <laughs> and every, he just couldn't understand this what child. Was going like, on? <laughs> needed a pen every day. So he would have to kind of figure out how to get me a pen every yeah. day. Which is kind of quite nurturing, right? Mm, so, and, mm. and, and normally we think that, I mean, they were both nurturing, but they were both nurturing in very different kinds of ways. Yeah, yeah. And my mom likes, so my mom likes weird things. So she likes fixing things and mm. like she knows how to fix things. I still don't know how she likes fixing things. She knows. <laughs> and she was the one who liked, was interested in things like gardens. And, but at the same time, she was, she did all the kind of conventional feminine things. Yeah, she's yeah, the yeah. One yeah. Who she was a mother also. But she's yeah. the one who cooks. She's the one who talks to you about bodies and periods and sex and all those things. Mm. And, um, so I think that, but they spent a lot of time, we were allowed an enormous amount of room mm. to talk. Wow. Right? So, and they treated us a lot like, actually, like what we had to say mattered. Mm. And so I think we probably over-talked. Because <laughs> you, you were allowed to be opinionated. Yes. Yeah, which, which a lot of households didn't allow. Exactly. And still don't allow, yeah. Yeah. And so, but they were conventional in other respects. I mean, mm. we, we, we... we they didn't hit us much. Mm. My mother now, in old age, denies that they ever hit us. She but says, they all I think I pushed you once. Sort of. I'm like, please, please. You were the one that did the disciplining. He never did the disciplining. Yeah. He hit me once. Mm. Like, and it was, so, you know, they weren't, they weren't strict parents by any, mm. by any stretch of the imagination. And they made some weird decisions. And of course, now I realize that some of them were just reverse psychology. Yeah. So for example, when we were, when we reached puberty, a lot of our parents, a lot of my friends' parents 
would want, you know, they, they, they would get into trouble for putting on makeup. Mm. My mom would say, come, let's see what works on you, <laughs> which is kind of nice, but also mm. takes the fun out of yeah. it. Because if everybody else is doing it because their parents don't want it. I remember when I, you know, she said, well, if you have a boyfriend mm. and the first, my first boyfriend and my sister's first boyfriends, then she'd say, yeah, but they can come visit. A boyfriend is a friend. So they must come to the house and they must mm. visit and I won't be in your bed. You know, I mean, <laughs> I can, like, you know, <laughs> like, so you do this thing and you're sitting there now and you're like, your mom isn't in the room. But at the same time, I'm thinking now, what a smart way to make sure yeah. your kids are not having sex, are not doing anything inappropriate. <laughs> like, come and do it, but you know off. I'm here. Yes, I'm in the house. What are you going to do? You're not even going to touch. You're going to sit next to each other and talk, right? <laughs> so they had these very strange ways of doing things. Yeah. And sometimes you were aware of how strange they were yeah. because you knew what was, you you knew how some of these things were different from what was happening in mm. some of your friends' um, homes. And so I think that's where the openness comes from. Also, because yeah. they wanted to talk about... They were, like, my mom was in our business all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she was there. Like, you know, and now I understand, oh, that's what that is. That mm. was about always knowing what your children are up to. Yeah. And so you, you have the conversation about sexuality and pregnancy and all those things, but also you're watching them all the time without them realizing that that's what you're doing. Yeah. That it's actually, they don't have to, of course they still rebel and they still do things behind your back eventually. Mm. Mm. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's measured and maybe it's delayed a yeah. little bit more. And maybe it makes them feel like it's okay to have these, to talk to you about things. And that put, they, put that things they, out there in, in the open. About. Yeah. Absolutely. And have you adopted that with, with raising your sons? Absolutely. I have, I, my, 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 my partner, who's a, who's a single parent um, himself from a different relationship. Mm. Um, and we both have sons. Um, he has two sons. I have two sons. Um, and and he, he, sometimes he's just like, you talk, you do, you are in their business yeah. all the time. Yeah. You over talk. And, and he says, oh, I wish we over talked sometimes because <laughs> we, you know, I, I, I do. And sometimes, and of course, the thing is now that I'm a parent, I realize that children are lovely, but mm. also children talk too much. <laughs> Right, and they listen now, and they tell you every single thing. So now we do. So we talk about everything all the time, mm. and it's and it's fascinating when something goes wrong, of yeah. course, because it means that they are able to tell me things that sometimes can go under the radar with mm. parenting, right? Mm. So someone says something inappropriate at school, they come and they say, "Do you think does this make sense?" Mm. And then you can deal with it. You can yeah. deal with, and I mean, it's, and, and it's amazing also how young. Boys and maybe girls. I don't have girls. I don't know. Um, start talking about weird things on gender. <laughs> so my nine-year-old comes home and he says, "So I have a crush." Mm. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so okay, so we talk about the crush, and then three weeks later he comes home and he says, "So so and so has a crush on so and so." But so as I said, well, you know, does she like him? Mm. No. And then he says, "But maybe she's playing hard to get." And I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, so now we have to like <laughs> to take apart this play and to get saying, no, no, she's not interested. But I'm thinking, what? Mm. Kids are talking about th these weird ideas about sexuality start that young. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It's okay. <coughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been interesting. And also just watching myself sometimes and feeling like I'm turning into my mother or I'm yeah. turning into my father and sometimes hearing the weird th statements coming out of my own mouth going, mm. Did I just say that? I hated it and, when and she said that. And that's something that you always want to be dreaded 
growing up, I was like, I'm never going to turn into my parents. And then you do in the end. Absolutely. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's talk about the feminism. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, being a feminist is not an easy life, but being a black feminist in South Africa, <laughs> we, we've got a lot of issues to deal yep. with. You know, um, the one which we, which we spoke about at your launch is, is, is the message that the, the anti women's league is putting out there. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy around about that. Let's, mm. let's, let's unpack those issues. I mean, I think that they, you, they're the biggest women's organization in the mm. country, or mm. organized women's organization in the country. And I think for a long time and for many people, they get taken as the default spokespeople mm. for the feminist movement. Yeah. And, you know, and we're starting to see all over. Um, the country, different kinds of feminist articulations yeah. and movements and strategies and so on. Mm. And different and types of voices. Different also. types of voices. Yeah. And, and also disagreement, right? Which is, which is, which I think is, 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 is great, right? Mm. We are mm. going, because I mean, I think, you know, I think we, any liberation, any, any liberation project, mm. um, is about, is about, is about, is about risk. So I think that, I mean, of course, I think there's dangerous things that you say and danger. So I've been watching. As I'm sure you have and many other people with increasing interest, how the presidential mm. debate in the public has been playing itself out. Yeah. So the fact that now suddenly all the media is talking about how there are various possible women candidates and mm. the women's league's previous position at some point saying we need a woman's uh, a president, a president of the country, mm. but we're not ready. Yeah. And yeah. then to no, we need a president. Are we, we going to push this yes. way? Yeah. And now suddenly this is the one we endorse. And, and I just and, think, God forbid you mentioned somebody else's name. It's like, no, 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 this is the only one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is the one. And yeah. now in a race where there's three other additional mm. um, ones. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't think they, I, I, I think they're an important organization, mm. but I, but I think they, I think it's important for us to recognize that, Although they speak, they, they 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 explicitly say that they're interested in in in, in gender transformation, mm. in women's liberation, and so on. In the main, they continue to articulate really conservative ideas about mm. about about very patriarchal about how gender was, and they continue to have a very competitive and almost well sometimes harmful relationship to other feminist spaces. Mm, mm, um, mm. A very competitive, yeah, um, uh, kind of approach. To, and, and, and very often kind of provide alibi for some of the most violent masculinities. Mm. I mean, they, they, they complete support of, 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 um, Jacob Zuma, President Zuma mm. now, but Jacob Zuma, um, during the trial and, yeah. and, and subsequent, as uh, the presidential rate, race and, and, and so on. I think it's really important for us. I mean, I don't think we should dismiss them. Mm. Um, I think at the same time, though, I think it's important that we move away from this idea that they are the women's movement. Yeah. And, and they're the only governing body that we need to turn to. Absolutely. Because there's so many other, you know, there's so many other thoughts and, and, and other avenues that we can look at. Um, but let's, let's talk about other African feminists or mm-hmm. other feminists, black feminists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned Alice Walker and, um, I only got into her reading much later on in life. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, where has this woman been all my life? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, you, your, your journey of, of, of reading on her and, 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 and adoring her goes mm-hmm. back a long, long way. Absolutely. I mean, I, she was the first, she was the, I'd read, I'd read different, I'd, I'd read black women. I'd read an essay here and a poem there and so on. Mm. But she was the first book by, 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 by a black woman. Um, hers was, one of hers was, was, was so, um, In Search of Our Mother's, Mother's Gardens, Woman's mm. Prose, was the first book I read by a black woman, like an entire book. And, and, and it was at a point where I was already self-identifying as feminist. Yeah. 
And it was just so incredibly important um, and, and, and precious. To yeah. Me. And I think that, you know, other feminists in the world have been incredibly important to me because mm. I think that it's, um, yes, the personal is political, is, is political, but part of the person, I mean, the personal is always in relation yeah. to, 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 um, to others. And I think what's important also about discovering and constantly finding other mm. feminists in the world is that it, it allows you to feel on one level, it allows you to feel more okay about about yeah. being yourself and your own contradictions and your, your own humanness and, yeah, and your own untidiness and everything and, yeah. and also about your voice mm. and to be able to and about 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 but what you like about what you don't like about mm. what you agree with about what you you know and, and 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 it also of course is incredibly important for me has been I think it's important for all of us um, who, who who are feminists to to be able to be part of a movement, mm. right? To be able to be part of a movement. So it's incredibly important to me when I, your voice is incredibly important to me. Um, Jessica Horn's voice is incredibly mm. important to me. Bunima Tlangan's voice is very important to me. So other fe- African feminists and other feminists in the world are incredibly important to me because they allow, first of all, it is a movement and they allow me to feel a certain way about the world mm. and they and they, and they they energize me yeah. in many yeah. ways to do to 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 contribute to that larger project yeah, in, yeah. In, and and to recognize that that that's a worthy project that yeah. the risks are worth it and that I'm okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it also brings that level of sanity because there's so much negative that oh you're a feminist you this and this and this but then in 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 the broader aspect it's like okay well this is why we're doing it I'm not alone in that absolutely journey, absolutely but know? also just you know what I think many people who maybe don't self-identify as feminists or who are not sympathetic to feminism don't understand how much, yes, there's enormous anger, mm. which is necessary because mm. patriarchy is horrible. Yeah. But they also don't understand the absolute pleasure mm. there is in watching someone who is so fully herself. Yeah. Who may not be exactly like you. So, cause mm. you don't need, you don't need other people to be exactly like you yeah. in order, yeah. you know, just how freeing it is to watch someone do and say and 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 live their life and feel and feel and speak even yeah. when you don't necessarily agree with every single thing that they're saying mm. but to be able you know that there is such pleasure for me in yeah. feminism yeah and i think that's something that often gets lost because you know it's 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 very often i mean i suppose people who who are who are patriarchal who are, who are antagonistic mm. to feminism think about how threatening it is to them, yeah. which it should be, right? Yeah. It yeah. is. It is threatening to patriarchy. It should be. That's 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 why we are rogues. Mm. Um, but yes, I mean, I think that the, the largest part for me is is just how much pleasure I derive mm. from feminist community. Yeah. And even and whether it's with within the community or whether it's alone or it's an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And you know, a couple of years ago, I was at a, at a women's symposium, and we had women from across Africa. I mean, in fact, from across the world. Mm-hmm. And I won't mention the company, the country, but there was a country where women, the country had been banned from from dancing. And at the end of our conference, we put on music. And these two women got up and they danced and we cried. But they, there was just joy oh, in their faces absolutely. and we were crying because they knew that this was the only chance. And, mm. and it's moments like that that we realize, you know what, we've taken that step. You know, and, and, and also, I mean, for me is that, yes, the feminist movement and women empowerment in South Africa, we still got a long way to go, mm-hmm. but we are, we are still like streams ahead compared to other communities. Yes, absolutely. And also, of course, to see how to continue to see 
very different kinds of feminine expression, yeah. right? Yeah. To see different kinds of feminists, to see different kinds of women break new ground is mm. is, 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 is kind of constantly wonderful discovery. Yeah, yeah. So now the book has been everywhere you look. Everyone wants a piece of the book. And um, you 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 did a launch in Cape Town recently, also, didn't you? No, I haven't. Haven't you? The, 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 yeah, the one the one you helped me. Yes, do, the one you, <laughs> you led was the only has been the we're doing open book in Cape Town. Okay, um, so I think it's the sixth or the seventh. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at open book from the sixth to the tenth. Yeah. So I'm doing various things, and one of those is 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 the Cape Town launch. Fantastic. Well, I know it's going to do incredibly well. Oh, thank you. And then also another exciting venture. I mean, you you started off. I mean, you 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 also grew up um, um, at Forte because mm-hmm. your father was was an academic. And I hear that you're going back. I am <laughs> in another I, position. I am going back in yeah. another position. I mean, I um, and it's it's very exciting. Mm. It's a little nerve wracking as well because Forte means so much to me. Yeah, you know, I think I would not have been to be. I'm very aware that in the South African Academy, you know, a, a, a black woman full professor is a very rare yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's like we're in the single digits in most universities, yeah. except UNISA or Limpopo. Mm. But like in most universities, it's like one or two, mm. that's just two of us, um, African, mm. black, South, just me, South African. Mm. Um, and then, you know, just a handful, if you use kind of black, more, 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 the more political, broad, yeah. um, black. So, and often people say to me, well, you know, you must be some kind of Wonder Woman and da 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 and, you know, the exceptionalist um, discourse. And I'm not, I mean, I don't want to completely not take credit mm. for how hard I work. But at the same time, you know, it's, in, it's, it's institutional. Yeah. There's a reason, yeah. there's something that keeps people out. So yeah. it's not that the people who get in are not remarkable, but it's also that there are many other remarkable people that mm. are able to be kind of locked out in, 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 in very more effectively. Yeah. And so going to Forte is, is, is on the one hand, I feel like, well, I owe it all to Forte because yeah. I could take, whereas, whereas for many of us, um, black women in the Academy, the, you have to constantly work against the communication that you don't belong there. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I grew up on a black university campus. And mm. so, I always had evidence mm. of black of black intellectuals and black and, and, yeah. and, and black people. And also, I mean, more importantly, you understood the meaning behind the black power and and, and struggle. Absolutely, you know. Um, and and, and uh, I mentioned this also at the launch was that, that 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 was one of the challenges that that I had to deal with growing mm. up, and especially in my in my early twenties, mm. was that what is black power mm. and and really believing it and only understanding it much later in life. Whereas you. It was there from yes, from from the beginning. Yes, I, I, it was given to me. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so now, but as part of that larger project of caring about the academy mm. and of caring about black scholarship, about caring about decolonization, about seeing both the benefits and the and the and the and the and the limitations mm. of of transformation, mm. and watching. You know, and, and being part of those conversations and those movements in, 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 the, in the universities that I've been part of as an, as a, as an adult. Yeah. One of the things that's been very striking to many of us is the, is, is, is the place of black institutions. Mm. Right. Um, and the, and the way and the very strange kind of irony of post-apartheid South Africa of seeing black universities fall apart almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be drained. They're not the places. And so we're thinking about, so, so, so as committed as I am to kind of the decolonizing and transformation 
excuse me, project across the South African higher education landscape. Um, I do think that you, we, we do need to invest differently mm. in, in, in institutions like Forte. If we're thinking about, if we, if we're serious about thinking about, about the place of black scholarship. Yeah. If we're thinking about, um, we, the entire landscape needs to be transformed and the challenges are different at different places. And yeah. I've worked, you know, for most of my, all of my career, um, at white institutions at, at, at Free State in the nineties and at, at, and, and at Vets, mm. um, entering as associate professor and, 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 and then, and then becoming full professor, um, at Vets. So, Forte is in some ways a return, mm. you know, and of course, because it's Forte specifically, I feel incredibly grateful and loyal and romantic probably mm, yeah. about it. But of course, I know that it's not, there will be challenges and there'll be challenges of, of a kind that I can't even imagine now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's worth it. And I'm, and so I'll be entering, I'll be, I'll be, I'm moving to Forte as, 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 as Dean of Research mm-hmm. because I do think that, you know, the 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 knowledge um revolution is absolutely something that we can't continue to you know to mm. to to um stay back from yeah um so so yes and I mean, also it's, it's a very bit of a shift now but because because of what's happening especially in the media space of this instant gratification mm-hmm. and um in order to be acknowledged you need to either have followers or you need to be driving the right car and it's moving away from from the intellectual it's mm. moving away from the learning from the education and so I think that voice is incredibly important and, oh, and exciting. Thank you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And also, I just think that there's certain things we sometimes where you are, mm. where you're located allows you to see and ask certain kinds of questions. And so I think there's place. I think there's room for different kinds of institutions. Mm. And I think certain questions are best asked or are possible. Mm. I think there are opportunities at every, at every, at every yeah. institution to ask different kinds of questions, to invest in certain kinds of, um, um, and I think that, you know, the, the questions and, and, and needs and innovations and so on. Yeah. And I think that we, we sometimes are so fixated on the problem that we don't think about what the opportunities yeah, are. Yeah, that's so true. And so I would like, I suppose I feel like going to Forte for me feels like, it feels like a paying back mm. a, a, the huge debt that I feel, um, uh, because of the enormous amount uh, that I think for, I, I, my, I benefited from, from, from having been raised at Forte. Mm. But it also feels like build part, being part of a team that's building something. Yeah. So I'm not going to yeah. do anything on my own, but I'm incredibly optimistic about mm. some of the people that are, that are there and some of the people that are moving mm. there. And I, you know, and, 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 and I want to be part of, of, of building yeah. something. And yeah. I think that one of the benefits of being the anomaly of a full professor at, at, you know, at, at 44 is that, is that I can consider this. Mm. I can consider this now. And it's not like, I'm not still building my career. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, 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 in that sense. But it also means, of course, that I have, had access to a whole range of 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 insights into the yeah. into the academy at different institutions, and I understand the landscape in a different way than I might have if I'd moved there as a as a if I'd moved there in a more kind of conventional mm. um, academic capacity, or if I'd moved there at a at a more at a more at a more junior level. Yeah. So we're hoping. We're hoping. I mean, I'm I'm very I'm very energized by some of the work that, that, that the new VC at Forte, um, Professor Sakela Butlung has already kind of started putting in place. So I, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to being part of a team that, that, that builds and shifts. Yeah. And taking it, taking it to the next level and maximizing what works, yeah. of course, you know, yeah. so it's not a paternalistic, we are all going there to go change things. <laughs> it's, it's recognizing that yeah. many things work there, but how do, you know, how do 
the building is is maximizing what works, yeah. but also perhaps thinking about, well, if we come from different experiences and different institutional knowledges, how can we do certain things yeah. differently in a way that that that's yeah. that contributes to and, the and what project. shifts are actually needed? Yeah, absolutely. And and writing, um, what's 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 next on the books? I know that the autobiography is not going to happen. So. <laughs> Where are we moving to next? Because, I mean, I didn't mention in the beginning, I mean, the book was published by Melinda Ferguson, mm-hmm. who everybody knows. And, I mean, you two are just a rock star duo. What, what, any, any ideas that you, that you have for, for future books? Well, thank you, Rosie. Yes, actually, the next book I'm doing is not for Melinda. Mm. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, it's a book that was commissioned by a different press. It's mm. part of a series called Voices of Liberation. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a biography of Miriam Tladi, the, oh, wow. the, the, the black consciousness, black feminist, um, novelist, essayist, um, short story writer, mm. um, who died earlier this year. She was, um, the first black woman to publish a novel in English inside the country. Yeah. Um, she was the most prolific writer of the black consciousness generation. Mm. She, and, and she was a fierce, fierce feminist, um, both in terms of what she wrote, but also in terms of how she related to other and shared space and brought, you know, other women and cared about why there weren't more black women writing and, 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 and yeah. in, in, and it was cheeky and weird and, 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 and wonderful. And I, I had the great pleasure of meeting her several times. Oh, wow. Um, so that's what I'm working on. Mm. Um, I've been fixated on her for many years. I've mm. probably taken too long to write it. But, but that's, yeah, that's, 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 really that's the project that's I'm working on, working on now. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping to do it to fin, to kind of at least send it all to the publisher before the end, before I start at Fortier. Yeah. Well, when, when exactly are you starting it? Um, January. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then we'll see. I mean, I don't, you know, there's, there's a few ideas about other things to do, but I think that the big shift, the big move is going to probably influence how I write. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because I am moving into a job that requires different, Kinds of physical presence from yeah, me on, yeah. on 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 campus. I'm going to have to revise how I write a little bit. Yeah, and probably. also different environment and everything else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ooh, we wish you the best of luck. And how do we get hold of your books? Uh, MF Books. Um, they are at all the major booksellers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have exclusive books. They are at all your indie um, bookshops. So they so they love books and Shara in Joburg, mm-hmm. then Protea in Joburg in in Pretoria and. And, and, and Bloemfontein and PE, they are in, um, African flavor books in the Val. They are at, um, they, they all over Cape Town. So yes, I mean, Mm. and if you can't find them, order them. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Look forward to this time next year and, and your journey into your, your next space. So, but thank you. Thank Thank you for your writing and, and, and your honesty, because at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's what it's about. So thank you. Thank you, Rosie. Of course, that was the rock star of authors, Pumla, who was in the studio with me. If you want more information on how to get hold of her books, um, on, on, on just look, looking into the other books that she's, that she's read, uh, that, is, that she's written. Of course, look at my Facebook page, um, or my Twitter page, my Instagram page, Rosie Mutena across the board, or drop me an email, rosie at rosiemutena.biz. Thank you so much for listening. Cliffcentral.com.